Welcome to the Heal and Grow Journey podcast. I'm Jennifer, your host, a mental health and wellness advocate, and a trauma survivor. This platform will be used to break the silence and create awareness around mental health in the Black community and in general for all people. My hope is that you will feel seen, heard, supported, and valued as we progress through the journey of healing and growing. Welcome back to the Healing Grow Journey podcast. I'm Jennifer, your host. Um, happy to be back. I hope you all had a great week. I, I hope all is well with everyone. Um, I know there's a lot going on in the world right now, and um, everybody's just trying to maintain in this COVID situation with social distancing, and you know, some people are not working at the moment. Um, you know, there's a lot going on in the world. So I hope you all are just, you know, doing your best to take care of yourselves and, and maintain and stay healthy. So this week, our topic is childhood trauma part two. I talked about childhood trauma last week, and there's just so much more to cover. I decided to just go ahead and do a part two. So here we are, childhood trauma part two. So just to recap a little bit about what I I covered last week, I know I mentioned a couple of personal experiences that I had with childhood trauma, and that was my parents' divorce when I was around six or seven, and then shortly after that, the death of my father. In addition to that, um, you know, my grandfather um, passed away and um, he actually kind of, there was like a drowning situation um, in the pool and I was present. So those are the few things that I mentioned last week in regards to my personal experiences with childhood trauma. And what I didn't mention last week is another one. The one that I didn't mention last week is a sexual violation. So that is also something that I experienced in childhood. And I just wanted to kind of do a whole separate episode just for that, because there's just a lot of moving parts um, and a lot to cover. And I didn't want to just lump it all in with um, all the other things. So that happened while I was maybe seven or or eight. Um, Definitely, I was still in elementary school. So all those things that I mentioned pretty much just happened back to back, like in a short period of time, like the sexual violation took place not that long after my dad passed away. So, you know, it was just a lot happening in a short period of time, which is definitely traumatic for a child that age or for anyone, but definitely for a young child. So what exactly is, um, you know, sexual abuse? So here is a a textbook um, definition. Sexual abuse of a child is when anyone threatens, tricks, or forces a child into sexual contact. It may include touching a child's genitals or rubbing of an adult's genitals on a child. It could include intercourse or oral sex. It could include showing genitals to a child, 
showing sexual pictures to a child, using the child to make pornographic pictures or videos. So all of those things are examples of what they mean by sexual abuse. And I'm sure there's a lot of other things that wasn't mentioned here in this particular definition, but that's just to give you an example. So I didn't experience all of those things, but I did experience some of the things on on that list. And let me just, I guess, just kind of give you guys some more context. So before that situation took place, there was another incident where a family member, not a close one, someone that I didn't know that well, that wasn't around often, basically attempted to, I guess, touch me inappropriately when I was about maybe seven years old or so. But, you know, it I was smart enough to kind of like get myself out of the situation. Um, so it didn't really lead to anything, but there was an attempt. And so I remember telling someone about that. And I won't say that they dismissed me, but it was more so like, well, maybe that's not what really happened. Or are you sure? Like they just, was a lot of questions, which is fine, but it was, the end result was kind of like, let's just say that's not what really happened. And maybe you're mistaken. And so there was no action taken. And so, you know, I definitely always stayed away from that person, but the messaging that I received from that was, okay, so you know what really happened. So they don't really understand or they don't believe what you're saying. So you got to look out for yourself. (laughs) I I, I definitely interpreted that at that young age, like I'm kind of, I'm kind of on my own with this one. um, So I got to figure it out myself. And you know, maybe I shouldn't have said anything. I probably should have just kept it to myself. So these are the kind of things that I was I was telling myself. So again, um, like I mentioned um, last week, it's very important that we respond appropriately if someone comes to you and, and confides in you and, and, and gives you information like that, whether it's a child or if it's an adult. So the way that we respond to things like this is very critical. So that incident took place. And then later on, the real incident that happened wasn't the same person, wasn't, you know, anybody, not a family member or anything like that. Definitely someone that luckily for me, I never had to really see again. It was kind of like a play date situation. So it was like a, a friend of the family type thing. So when the that situation actually took place, when that violation took place, I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell anybody because at that point, I had already received the messaging that it, you know, I I won't I won't be believed. So I just kept it to myself. I never chose to disclose the information to anyone and mainly because I didn't think that anybody would believe me because again based on the prior incident that's like the messaging that I received. So, you know, unfortunately later on there was like a, a more serious incident. And, you know, at that point it was just like, oh, well, okay, what do I do now? I'm not going to say anything. And also fear of maybe even getting in trouble. Um, I think sometimes, you know, when you're a kid, you, you just automatically think that you're going to get in trouble, <laughs> even though you didn't do anything wrong. You just think that somehow this going to come back to bite me and it's going to end up being my fault. And I'm probably going to get spanking or get grounded or something. And it's unfortunate that that was the mindset But, you know, that that happens a lot um, with young children. 
So those were my traumatic experiences as a child. So the next thing I wanted to cover is what are some of the warning signs if a child is being like sexually abused? How do you, you know if they don't come out and tell you how 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 would you know? Is there any red flags or anything that you can look out for? These are some of the things that came up when I did some research on it. Some physical warning signs are uh, sexually transmitted infections, signs of trauma to the genital area, such as unexplained bleeding, bruising, or blood on the sheets, underwear, or other clothing. Behavioral signs, excessive talk about or knowledge of sexual topics, keeping secrets, not talking as much as usual, not wanting to be left alone with certain people or being afraid to be away from primary caregivers, especially if this is like a new behavior, regressive behaviors or resuming behaviors they had already outgrown, such as like thumb sucking or bedwetting, Overly compliant behavior, sexual behavior that is inappropriate for the child's age, spending an unusual amount of time alone, trying to avoid removing clothing to change or bathe. Um, I know I can definitely say that that was one that probably was a, a sign for me. Now, when I think back that that was something that I automatically started to do, like I just never would want to change in front of any, anyone, like even like if I was sharing a room with like another girl or, or something like that, like it didn't matter. Like I was very like cautious and always trying to like cover up and just always trying to cover up my body and, and, and just not show or expose any parts of myself at all. Um, and again, even if it was nothing but girls in the room or, or, or anybody, truthfully, um, that was just something that I was always just covering up, always turning away or finding a little corner to change in. It was just kind of extreme I, in, in in my opinion, like when I think back, but that was definitely something I think that I picked up. But, you know, again, you know, when we're not educated and not aware, we don't know what the signs are to look for. Emotional signs, change in eating habits, change in mood or personality, such as increased aggression, decrease in confidence or self-image, excessive worry or fearfulness, increase in unexplained health problems such as stomach aches and headaches, loss of decrease in interest in school, activities and friends, nightmares or fear of being alone at night, and self-harming behaviors. So those are some examples of, of warning signs, whether it's physical, behavioral, or emotional. So whew, I said a lot there. So that's that's a lot, you know, for a child to have to deal with. And, you know, unfortunately, this is way too common. A lot of times we don't talk about it. It's definitely something that a lot of us were conditioned to sweep under the rug, you know, suppress it, pretend like it never happened, you know, just bury it deep down somewhere. But this is, like I said, unfortunately, it's, it's very common um, that this happens to children. So we definitely need to protect our children and ask the appropriate questions because they may not always come and tell you, you know, they may not take the initiative. So be proactive, talk to your kids, ask questions and just be aware, 
you know, don't just leave them with anybody. Don't just, you know, just be aware as much as possible, you know, and even if God forbid, you know, something were to happen, you can't be everywhere at the same time. And I don't want to make any parents think that it would be their fault because a lot of things are out of your control, you know, but um, just do your due diligence, you know, when it comes to your children's safety. So how does, well, what problems can childhood sexual abuse cause in adulthood, right? So what does that look like now when you, when you become an adult? Like if you experience something like that as a child, what does your life look like? And that's different for everybody, obviously, if you're a victim of that. But for me, one of the main things that I had to deal with was um, like intense emotional reactions, which is basically like triggers. And I didn't really start having any triggers until I was like in my 30s. So mind you, so this is something that happened when I was like maybe seven or eight years old and didn't really show up in my adult life until I was like in my 30s. So that's a long time. I mean, it probably maybe showed up in other ways that I just hadn't connected the dots to. But um, what I was fully aware of is just triggers. And that that kind of appeared more so after I had my daughter, um, because now it's like, oh, I have a little girl, you know, and it's like, oh, OK, well, I remember what happened to me when I was a little girl. I don't want that to ever happened to my little girl um so you know you become really you get triggered in certain situations and then you can become a little just very guarded fearful overprotective like super overprotective and you know so it was just a lot of layers and I was like "Mm -mm, this is too much like I need to talk to somebody about this because and I actually went to a parent workshop And um, that was one of the things that was kind of being covered. And they were encouraging a lot of the moms, like, you know, if you've experienced any types of childhood trauma, like the importance of, you know, talking to a therapist and and, and processing your trauma and healing from it. Because if if it's unprocessed, you know, how that can have a negative impact on your parenting style. And so... You know, for example, like I was saying, like just being overly protective, like you want to protect them, obviously, but you want to do it within reason and and not be like paranoid, you know, and sheltering the child too much. It could be too much, you know, so to get a handle on it and have a healthy, you know, a healthy balance, it's definitely good to talk to someone to help you just process that so that you're in your you know, mama bear mode, trying to protect your kids, that you're not messing them up either. You know what I mean? In interim from just being like overly protective. Um, So you definitely want to get a balance on that. Um, So here are some examples on the types of problems that, um, you know, childhood sexual abuse can cause for an adult. So these are just some things that I've found just during during research so here are some examples feelings of being ashamed Um, you may feel dirty or guilty when you have sexual feelings because you feel that you caused the sexual abuse when you were a child 
You may use alcohol, food, drugs, or overwork to numb your emotional pain and to manage shame and guilt. You may hate your body and not take good care of yourself. Um, Self-hatred. Many children believe abuse is their fault, so you may still feel that that way and be convinced that there is something different or wrong about you. Powerless. You may also have trouble saying no to un- unwanted sexual contact, even though you are always thinking about protecting yourself. Suicidal or like you want to hurt yourself or others, you may have a lot of anger about and, and being upset. You may fear that you will abuse your own child. Um, isolated, you may keep the abuse you suffered as a child secret, particularly if the abuser was a family member or a close family friend. Unable to make even simple decisions or choices. During the abuse, you may have learned to go numb and detach from what was happening. As an adult, you may still space out when you feel stressed or anxious. This can make it hard to think, plan, or do everyday activities. Fearful and always on guard. You may startle easily, have trouble sleeping, and feel tense when you're around other people. Unable to ask others for help or to depend on anyone else. You may have trouble relating to others. When you were a child, your trust was betrayed by an adult. So when you grow up, you may suspect that others are using you, will leave you, or will hurt you. And lastly, um, out of touch with your own body at times, you may not even know. <clears throat> Excuse me, no. This one is pretty strange. No, when you are hungry or tired, you may not eat well or get enough sleep. <clears throat> I didn't mean to say it was strange, but I just never kind of heard of that one. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So these are just some things that kind of popped up as some things that people could face um, if you were a victim to child sexual abuse. Now, obviously, there's more things out there that wasn't covered here. And then some of the things covered here definitely may not apply to everyone. It's not like a one size fits all type of situation. These are just maybe some common things that, you know, um, therapists and other um, people have come across in their research and studies. So with all that being said, you know, it's just the the healing journey. You know, like it's it's a lot. It's a lot of layers. Um, but the the good thing is that, you know, you don't have to you don't have to like stay and sit in silence anymore if if that's something that you're you're currently doing you know you can break the silence because you can't heal what you pretend you know doesn't exist um so first and foremost acknowledge it and um take the the next steps to um you know talking to someone to help you process your trauma um and like i said i experienced this when i was like 7 or 8 and it didn't even pop up until I was like, maybe like 35 is <laughs> probably when it started. I started getting triggers and things and I'm like, oh, you know, so you, you totally forget, you know, that some of this stuff even happened, but it's in there and it's going to come up some kind of way. So even if you've not experienced any triggers or anything like that, if you know that this is something that you could relate to, I would just say be proactive about it. Um, 
and go talk to someone. I mean, I wish I thought like that because if that's the case, I would have talked to someone a lot earlier, just just being proactive. Um, so by the time I did have a, a daughter, like I would have been well ahead of the curve. But I just wasn't aware, you know. So that's why it's just so awesome to have this type of movement where we can have these conversations and this dialogue um, to talk about these things and and move forward with our, our healing. I think that was mostly like the meat and potatoes of it. This is honestly like the first time that I have really shared this information. Um, definitely on a platform like this, but there's very, very few people that know that I had ever even experienced anything like that. Um, so obviously it's not something that I talk about, but you know, I'm that far along in my healing journey where I can talk about this and I'm so proud of myself. Um, <laughs> and I didn't even cry. I, I even brought tissues in here thinking that I was going to start crying. <laughs> and, um, I did not have that emotional, um, reaction so that also speaks volumes to how far along I am on this this healing journey because you know I can talk about it now without that same level of emotion behind it so that's that's huge and I you know definitely obviously I for me you know I I owe that to God because I definitely had to pray about a lot of this stuff but in addition to prayer you know I took the action to go and talk to a therapist and you know my therapist is awesome and she gave me a lot of um strategies and tools to implement um you know to help myself through this like when i get triggered um and i don't get triggered as often as i i used to so i'm even seeing like the progress there like the triggering is but it's less frequent so i'm sure sooner than later like i'm not even going to even experience that at all so um you know it's 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 definitely it's just awesome, you know. So like I said, take the time to acknowledge your pain and just do what you got to do. And that's what I have for you guys this week. I hope, you know, this episode was helpful. I hope I've encouraged someone to start their journey, to break their silence. If you're someone that can relate to this and if you're not, share it with someone if you're aware that there's someone out there that you know that could relate to it, share it with them. Tell them to listen to this episode because I wish I had something like this um, to listen to or, you know, just this type of encouragement when I was kind of going through my stuff. So this is, you know, definitely motivation for me and, and why I'm here doing this just to be that support system for others. All right. Well, that's all I got. If you want to get in contact with me, you can reach me um, via email at healinggrowjourneypodcast at gmail.com. And you can also contact me via Instagram at healinggrowjourney. All right. Peace and blessings to you all. Until next time.